Thank you, praise and worship team. I love that last song. I have been playing that song like on repeat for two weeks, I think. Well, summer is upon us. I know a lot of people are up at the lake or are going on vacation. I've talked to uh, quite a few people that said, I'm headed to the lake, but I'll be watching on live, so hello. I promised that I'd say hello. I remember when Duff uh, first moved here, and I mean, you, you can tell people who moved to Prince Albert, like, oh, this is a lake town. In the summer, it kind of just, you know, people go away. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Not till they're in a couple years, and they're like, oh, this really is a lake town, and people just like go. And I remember when Duff moved here from Saskatoon, and I remember it was one Sunday, he showed up at church, and everyone came with their lake, everyone came with their lake stuff. And as soon as church was done, everyone was in the bathroom, changing into their lake clothes, headed to the lake. And I remember Duff being like, what, what is this? What's happening here? So we, we like, well, I don't like the lake, but other people like the lake in Prince Albert. I like, I like Mexico. Can you turn Logan down, please, in the monitors? Just enough that I can still hear him, though. Don't shut it all the way down. Um, so, this morning I'm going to talk about the love of the Father. And, you know, I, I was talking to God about it in the week leading up. I said, God, what do you want me to talk about? And he said, I want you to tell them that I love them. I'm like, okay, that's not a very long message. But, but, but as I began to think about it and, and, and talk to the Father about it, Holy Spirit, I'm going to need you this morning. I need your grace. I need your anointing. Um, when I began to talk to the Father about it, it's like God loves you is like a blanket statement sometimes. Like, yes, yes, he does. God, God loves me. That's nice. It's like saying the sky is blue. Yes, it is. The sky is blue. It's a beautiful sky. That is nice. And it... it it doesn't have as much meaning to it as it should. What the love of the Father actually is. In, in the English language, we use love as, you know, I, I love my car. I love shopping. I love the lake, some of you. I, I love, you know. I, but it doesn't actually have the meaning that but when God says, I love you, it's not the same. It's not the same thing. You know, I love coffee, but I wouldn't send my son to die for it. <laughs> right? Like, I, I just wouldn't. <laughs> in, in the English language, there's only one word that we use. It's, it's love. But in the Greek language, as some of you know this, there's four words that describe what love is. And, and so I'm going to read those today before we begin in the word. Uh, in the Greek, there's the word phileo. And phileo means an emotional connection that goes beyond acquaintances or casual friendship. It is referred to as brotherly love or affection, 
When we experience phileo, we experience a deeper level of connection. It carries with it a sense of loyalty. It is a love that is called out of one's heart as a response to the pleasure it takes in a person. It is a deeper level of connection, but not as deep as family love, nor does it carry with it the intensity of romantic passion or erotic love. Yet phileo is a powerful bond that forms a community and offers multiple benefits to those who share it. So, phileo is a, a, a deep friendship. It's not just an acquaintance. It's not just a friendship request on Facebook. It is, it is a deep love that you have for another friend. And then the next one is Storge. I don't know if I'm saying that one right, but we'll pretend I am. Uh, Storge is family love. It, is descri it describes the inherent nurturing love of a parent for a child. This love can be understood as the natural love that rests within one's character or will. It is a natural movement of the soul for husband, wife, child. It's the kind of love that is steady and sure. It's a love that arrives easily and endures for a lifetime. Within the context of a parent for a child, this can be understood as unconditional love. So it's the nurturing kind of love. It's family love. It's, I don't need to explain family. We all know what that is. The next one is eros, and that's erotic love. Yes, I said that, or romantic sexual love. It is a conditional love of passion. This love is developed by the beauty seen within a person or the appreciation of beauty itself. It is satisfaction that is derived from the value of another. So it's, it's looking for value. It, it is... Um, it is love that is fulfilled by what you see in somebody. There has to be value for me to love you. The last one is agape. Agape love is the God kind of love. It is divine, it is perfect, and it is pure. It describes the unconditional love of God. More fully, it is called out of one's heart by the preciousness of the object loved. In other words, it even sees differently. Uh, agape love even sees differently. It sees you as precious. It is the highest form of love in the Greek text. It is a love of esteem, of evaluation. It has the idea of prizing. It is not kindled by merit or worth. In other words, there is nothing that you can do to earn this kind of love. And it originates on its own from God's own nature. God is love. It's who he is. And it's not the kind of love where we say, I love coffee. It's not even the kind of brotherly love. It's not even the kind of family love. It's the God kind of love. It's who he is. Now, in agape love, when we look at the Bible, uh, when it refers to um, phileo love, like I talked about the brotherly kind of love, well, agape encompasses that as well. Because um, a, uh, phileo love is a loyalty, it's, and God is loyal. His love is loyal. And for the family kind of love, the storage, well, it says God's a father, and he's nurturing. And even in the eros love, the erotic kind of love, well, that, that speaks of 
intimacy and, and the Bible talks about God wanting to be intimate with us, wanting to be close with us. So it encompasses them all, but it's so much deeper than that. It's so much more than that. So we're gonna start in the word Romans 5. Uh, verse 5. Father, we just surrender to you this morning. We open our hearts up to you. Father, I want a deeper revelation of how you love. I want your love to go deeper in my life. And Father, so I just open my life up to, for you just to go deep. However you want to do what you want to do, do it, God. that we would walk out of here changed, that we wouldn't be the same when we leave here. That we would experience the love of the Father. That we would know the love of the Father. Thank you, Father. I surrender to you. In Jesus' name. So Romans 5 says, and this hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. For when the time was right, the anointed one came and died to demonstrate his love for sinners who were entirely helpless, weak, powerless to save themselves. Now who of us would dare to die for the sake of a wicked person? We can all understand if someone was willing to die for a truly noble person, but Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. And there is still much more to say of his unfailing love. So first of all, it's talking about his unfailing love, how he sent his son to die for us. But then it says, but there's so much more than that. There's way more to say. It's not just that. It's not just that he died, he sent his son to die because he loved you. It goes way beyond that. And so he goes on to say, there's more to say on his unfailing love for us. For though the blood of Jesus, we have, through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration, you are now righteous in my sight. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. You will never experience the wrath of God, yet many of us live our lives as if we are waiting for the wrath of God to come. We, when we mess up, when, 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 you know, we, we know that we've done wrong or, we're, you know, we, we separate ourselves from God because we think we're going to experience the wrath of God. But, <laughs> and it's so the opposite. God's love is so the opposite because he wants you to come to him so that he can fix the situation. When your kid messes up, parents, when, when your children mess up, we fix it. We help them. God, so much more. You remember that when you were in your sin, when you were completely separated from, it was him that came after you in your mess. 
So why do you think that when you come into the kingdom and you uh, receive Christ, that suddenly when you mess up, God wants nothing to do with you? You will never experience the wrath of God. So while we were still enemies, God fully reconciled us to himself through the death of his son, then something greater than friendship is ours. Now that we are at peace with God and because we share in his resurrection life, how much more will we be rescued from sin's dominion? Verse 11, then it says it again, and even more than that. God's love is even, so then there's all those things. You'll never experience the wrath of God. You get to have, you know, Jesus died for you, so you wouldn't be separated. But even more than those things, it says, we will overflow with triumphant joy in our new relationship of living in harmony with God, all because of Jesus Christ. Even more than that, you get to have relationship with the Father. Even more than that, you get to have relationship with God. God. Ephesians verse one, verse, or chapter one, verse five, it says, for it was always his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. For the same love he has for the beloved one Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Even the love that he has for his son Jesus, same love he has for us. Isaiah 38 verse 17 says, Indeed, it was for my own well-being that I had such bitterness. But you have loved back my life from the pit of nothingness, for you have cast all my sin behind your back. You have loved back my life. This, this is the Father. This is always the Father. It doesn't change. This is, he doesn't change. He, he loves always. He loved you when you were a sinner and he loves you when you're a Christian. He always loves. This is who he is. You know, we came from God. We came from the Father. Okay? Before we were born, we came from him. He formed us, he made us, we came out of him. We, th there is something in us that knows. There is something in us, I, I gotta try and think how to say this. There is something in us that knows what it's like to be loved by God. That's not how I want to say it. There is something in us, there is a void um, that, that we long for the love of the Father. We, we long to be valued. We long to be accepted. 
But here's the thing is we often, and the only thing that can fill that void is God. It's a longing that only can be filled by God. But we look for it in people. We look for value, we look for acceptance, we look for love, and we look for it from people. But it's a void that only God can fill. Things, people, they're fleeting. They, they're fleeting. And so we, we go throughout life. I mean, I think God has us on this, you know, because we've been talking about rejection and we've been talking, Joan talked about the orphan heart, stuff that we've talked about before. But God won't let this go. And I really believe he wants his people to be set free from this thing and experience the love of God like they've never experienced it before. I'm telling you, there is something that is coming. I was talking about this with, with uh, Cliff and Colleen just the other day where, where the Bible says the, the hearts of the fathers will turn to the sons and the, and the hearts of the sons to the father, that there is a, a love revolution that is coming. And it's got to start somewhere. So it's going to start in me. Amen? You can say that too. It's going to start in me. I'm going to experience the love of God so deep, so real. Anyway, that's... What was I talking about? <laughs> Let's go to Galatians uh, chapter 1, verse 10. I'm obviously not trying to flatter you or water down my message to be popular with men, but my supreme passion is to please God. For if I attempt, for if all I attempt to do is please people, I would not be the true servant of the Messiah. There's another translation that says, if I keep trying to, if I keep spinning my wheels trying to please people, I could not be an apostle. It's Paul saying that. If, I, if all I'm after is pleasing people, it would, it, it would take me out. I wouldn't, it would ruin me. I wouldn't even be able to be an apostle. When I was in Edmonton uh, two weeks ago, we were at a pastor's conference, sort of. It was a round table discussion. And uh, there was a man who came from Edmonton, and he uh, was an Instagram influencer. Uh, an Instagram influencer is uh, basically, well, they're me social media influencers. And basically what that is, is they have a lot of followers, and they um, show their daily lives, basically. And people watch them live their life. There's one lady um, on Instagram, and she is like a housewife type. She has a beautiful house. <laughs> I'm ashamed to admit this. She um, records herself cleaning her house, literally cleaning her house. Like, And I watch it. I don't know what. <laughs> Anyways, um, so this guy, he is an Instagram influencer, and he kind of got on the bandwagon earlier in the game of, of influencers, and, and uh, he found a way that he could minister to people by living his daily life 
and he ended up becoming a sensation and uh, he had over a billion followers. Most Instagram influencers don't even come close to a million. He had over a billion. And so he was able to share um, you know, the word and share God and, and yeah, he just became huge. He's, he's still big and he still is making a ton of money at it. And so he came to talk to us just about uh, social media and that kind of stuff in the church. And, and, uh, but he started to talk about this one thing. He says, you got to be really careful, though, because it can take you down a road you don't want to go, being an Instagram influencer or even social media in general. He said, because you'll go on uh, and you'll post a picture and you know how fast your likes should add up. And so you, you're watching your likes, you're watching your likes, and they're not going up as fast as the last picture. So then you take it down, you reformulate it, put it back up, and watch the likes. And he said, when I first got into it, it was all about God. It was all about his kingdom. I was just reaching the masses for him, and I was stood amazed at what God was doing. And then pretty soon, it became about the likes. It became about the value that I was getting in it. And, and, and what people thought of me. And it's the same thing. It's like Paul said, if, I, if I'm spinning my wheels, looking for, trying to please people, looking for my value from people, I won't be able to be an apostle. It's like I'll take myself out, basically. And so the same thing this guy's saying, all of a sudden it became about what value I, I was getting out of it. And he said, and it took me down a dark path. He said, I was there for a year a dark path of just trying to get value from it. In Philippians 3, verse 3, it says, For we who are born again have been reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, set apart for his purpose, and are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God and glory and take pride and exalt in Christ Jesus and place no confidence in what we have or who we are in the flesh. Though I myself might have some grounds for confidence in the flesh. I love this. This is probably, it's just my, one of my favorite verses just because if I, of how he's talking in it. Because he says, uh, Though I myself might have some grounds for confidence in the flesh, if I were pursuing salvation by works, if anyone else thinks that he has reason to be confident in the flesh, that is, in his own efforts to achieve salvation, I have far more. <laughs> you think you've done great? <laughs> Not as good as me. <laughs> it's Paul, not me. <laughs> So then he goes on to say, circumcised when I was eight days old of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, an exemplary Hebrew, as to the observances of the law, a Pharisee, as to my zeal for Jewish tradition, a persecutor of the church, and as to righteous, righteousness, supposed right living, which my fellow Jews believe in the law, I proved myself blameless. He did it perfectly. He did it so well. And you know, the thing about Paul is, is he constantly goes after the people. But what are you talking about? This isn't the good news. You're changing what the good news is. The good news is that I get to have relationship with the Father. 
The good news is, is that he loves me like crazy. The good news. And you have tainted the good news by making it about works. And this is what Paul's saying. Listen, I, I lived a blameless life. I was perfect. And it has nothing to do with that. That is not the gospel. We come, we, we come as, when we're not Christians, we're not saved, we come and we meet Jesus and it's about this love and we get so excited and, and, and we're in love with God and then we come to church and all of a sudden we make it about religious things and religious duties and what we have to do to be loved by the Father. You weren't doing it before. In verse 7 it says, But whatever former things were gains to me as I thought then, these things once regarded as advancements in merit. See, a lot of times you think that doing things by religious rules and, and, and religious ways that you're making advancements, you're not. I have come to consider as loss absolutely worthless for the sake of Christ and the purpose which he has given my life. But more than that, I count everything as loss compared to the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and of growing more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with him, a joy unequaled. For this sake I have lost everything and I consider it all garbage so that I may gain Christ. He says, this is it. This is the gospel that I get to know Christ. And I get to grow more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with him. This is, this is it. And he says, it's a joy unequaled. He says, there's nothing that compares to that. In the voice translation, it says it like this, but whatever I used to count as my greatest accomplishments, I've written them off as a loss because of the anointed one. And more so, I now realize that all I gained and I thought was important was nothing but yesterday's garbage compared to knowing the anointed one. Jesus, my Lord, for him I have thrown everything aside. It is nothing but a pile of waste so that I may gain him. Just more and more and more of him. You know. I've read many things on the internet and I've heard many people say it is a dangerous thing that the churches are talking about the love of God too much. This is churches saying this, this is, or preachers. I have nothing against, I don't like talking about other preachers or what they're doing, I don't like that. I'm not doing that, I'm just, I'm quoting something that I've read or heard on a regular basis that it's a dangerous thing talking about the love of God too much. It'll make people become loosey-goosey, you know? Like, they'll just do whatever they want. If you're talking about love too much, people will feel like they can just do anything that they want. If you experience the love of God, the love of God is what compels you. The love of God is what propels you. The love of God is what changes you. The love of God is, is what makes you want to please Him. It's once you experience His love, it makes you want to go deeper in the things of God. 
Ephesians 3, verse 14. So I kneel humbly in awe before the Father. This is what Paul is praying over the church. So I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. I've said this before. If, he's, if you've had a good father, he's so much more. He's so much more than that. You, you can't comprehend how good of a father is. If, he's had a, if you've had a bad father, or your father hasn't been around, or your father was abusive, he is not that father. He is never that father. That's not in him. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of the glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. He says, I pray that he would unveil within you, that you would begin to see his unlimited riches and of his glory and favor. It says, then by constantly, verse 17, then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. By constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep within you. How do you use your faith? Jesus, I believe in you. <laughs> Jesus, I believe that you came and you died so that I could be in right standing with the Father. That's how I use my faith. And when you use your faith, the life of the Christ is released within you and his love comes and rests inside you. And then it becomes the very root system of your life. I am loved, therefore I do love. You know, we talk, we've been talking about, um, a couple of weeks ago, the root of rejection. Rejection is what opposes love, acceptance. That's why God wants it out. He wants the root system to be love. I am loved, I am accepted. My Father adores me. Then it goes on to say in verse 18, then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love, how enduring and inclusive it is, endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. The extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Study that. Study that verse. Study it in every translation you can. Pray it over yourself because he says that you will be empowered to discover. That means there's something more to discover the, of the love of God. In the Amplified, in verse 18, it says it like this that you'd be fully capable of comprehending. That you could be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, God's people, the width and the length and the height and the depth of his love, fully experiencing that amazing, endless love. 
and that you may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience that you'd be fully capable of comprehending it that you would experience the love of God that's my heart's cry I I know the love of God I've experienced the love of God I know that I am loved by him I could see his face looking at me but I know that there is so much deeper there is so much more I could know I want to experience the depths the width width the height the breadth I want to experience it all I'm going to read from Galatians and I I have so much more but I'm actually going to end here and I'm going to Wayne you're going to come up in a moment uh you know with the love of God there there are so many times that we think things that we would begin to see things differently because there are so many times where we um think things are just luck or coincidence lucky that that happened I guess it's a good coincidence things show up and we don't recognize that you know the Bible says that he cares about even the birds that he cares about every moment he cares about every single piece of your life and he sets things up he makes things happen because he's a father he's a good father who loves his kids and so that we would begin to see things differently in our lives that this wasn't just luck or happenstance right place right time no man it was god who loves you so i'm going to read galatians um 5 uh verse 5 this is the message it says i suspect you would never intend this But this is what happens when you attempt to live by your own religious plans and projects. You are cut off from Christ. You fall out of grace. Meanwhile, we expectantly wait for a satisfying relationship with the Spirit. Ugh. For in Christ, neither our most conscientious religion or disregard of religion amounts to anything. What matters is something more far more interior, faith expressed in love. in the passion it says it like this that the holy spirit convinces us that we have received by faith the glorious righteousness of the anointed one when you're placed into the anointed one and joined to him circumcision and religious obligations can benefit you nothing all that matters now is living in the faith that is activated and brought to perfection by love How is faith activated? By love. And then verse 7 it says it goes on to say who has impeded your progress and kept you from obeying the truth. You were off to such a good start. I know for certain the pressure isn't coming from God. He keeps calling you to the truth. You know what they say just a little yeast causes all the dough to rise. So even the slightest detour from the truth, oh, will take you to a destination you do not desire. 
He's saying, you stopped listening to the truth. You stopped following the truth. What's the truth? The good news. It's the good news. It's the gospel. It's that you're loved by the Father. And, and we've heard it. Tamaris talked about it. Joan talked about it. Uh, about the little foxes spoiling the vine. Little lies here and there that we take into our lives. And, and maybe we don't know they're there. Or maybe we think they just don't matter that much. And what does it say here? Little lie, little, little lie here. Or it's saying little yeast, but you have these little lies in your life and they will take you to a place, to a destination that you don't want to go. That when we believe that, that, that I'm not loved by my father, when we believe that it's about works, when we believe that it's about some sort of duties that we have to obtain to receive his love, those are things that will spoil you. Take you on a, take you on a, on a place where you won't go. You won't like the desired destination. Excuse me, it won't get you to your desired destination. Because it becomes about hard work. It becomes about striving. It becomes about looking for that acceptance that you already have. You are accepted in the beloved. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. When God says, this is my beloved son on whom I am well pleased, he says that about you. Your life, right now, the failures, the good things, the bad times, the good times, the mess-ups, the screw-ups, the scraped knees, the dumb things, didn't surprise him and still he says I'm pleased with you I'm pleased with you I'm pleased with you hear the father say that, that I am pleased with you Wayne, can you come? Um, sorry, I'm just going to switch directions, but I'm going to give Wayne to give a testimony.